Well, here we are on demand, and we are in the season of all digital. That's right. This has been an all digital season, and some of you are watching this, and you are ready for the word. Well, we are ready for you. It's going to be an amazing time as we talk about how to manage threats. Threats are a part of our life, but you can overcome them. So join us, and if you have not heard this message about how to manage threats, we've got simple tools, simple things that can help you learn how to think in a difficult time. I want to show you a man who managed his threats, and we'll learn from his example. Stay with me and watch this inspire your life. Let's talk today from a text that I think will help all of us. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 33. That's 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 33. I want to talk today from the theme, how to manage, how to manage a threat. How to manage a threat. And how you can dream and manage a threat. I believe this is a threatening season. This is a season that is full of emotion and frustration. It's easy in this season to lose faith. It's easy. And I want to say there are three things you can do right off the bat that will help you in this season. The first thing I want you to do is I want you to look at your history. I want you to look at your past. You have been through threatening seasons before, and you have come through. So I want you to go back and I want you to look at your history and I want you to say, when I had that time, when I, when I had that moment when I was sick, what happened? When I lost my job, what happened? When I couldn't hear God, I was struggling, what, what happened? When I couldn't find, what did you do? Look at your history. You have made it through. Think about this now. Every single trial you've gone through so far in your life, every illness, every sickness, every loss, divorce, death of a child, death of a parent, name it. You've gone through it, and you have overcome. So look at your history. That's the first thing. Number two, look at the cause of the threat. How, what, what causes this? Uh, if you didn't cause it, well, okay, well, you didn't cause it. So just understand, sometimes you're threatened with something that you didn't cause. Sometimes you did. And that brings me to my third thing. Look at the emotional effects of the threat. How was this threatened? How has it affected you emotionally? Is it overwhelming you? Are you sitting there drowning, like I just said? And then fourthly, Look at, this is hard now, look at the benefits you can gain from the threat experience. Look at the benefits you can gain from the threat. There is a benefit in this. I have been working on my post-coronavirus plan. That's what I call it. When this is all over with, I have my plan. When everything is over and my threat is over, I wrote down, I'm writing down in the middle of it what I learned from this experience. And I'll tell you some of that in the coming weeks. But I want you to see there's a plan. What, what I learned about money. What I learned about preparation. What did I learn about our church? What did I learn that we shouldn't have done? There are pastors who are calling me right now saying, you know, uh, we, 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 we need streaming and, and, and we need to get started. I'm thinking, yeah, you do. Here's what you should learn. You didn't plan for this. You, you're, and I, I'm going to tell you what I believe. There's an in-house bias toward this kind of ministry. We, we think if you need to come to church, you don't need to just stream. You, well, now all you can do is stream. And so preachers are running Facebook Live and anything they can, Twitter, tweeting, and anything. They're trying to connect with their people because they can't talk to anybody. And so, so now is the time for people to repent. You need to pause and say, you know what, I was wrong about that. I needed to use that gift God gave me. God gave you a talent, a gift. This is a, this is a gift. And many have rejected this gift. 
And so I, I'm telling you, one of those moments in your life, after you go through a threat, you back up and say, what can I learn from this divorce? What can I learn from this loss of a job? What can I learn from this income drown, this income drought, rather? What can I learn from this? I'm drowning, and I, what can I learn? Save more money. I can play, I, I need to, I need, while I'm in the middle of it, write down. I'm getting a divorce. My husband say, I talk too much. Okay, write that down. I talk too much. Write that down. Write down what they say. Write down your child won't talk to you because every time they come by the house, they, you yell at them. So write that down. They say, I yell at them all the time. Well, we'll work on that. You write down what you're learning in the middle of a trial, and that will help you. Now, I want to show you a guy who had a lot of trouble. 2 Corinthians chapter, chapter 11, verse 23, Paul gives a list, and it's long. He gives a list of things that he went through, and I want to show you what he said. Now, here's what he said. As are they ministers of Christ, Paul's talking to the Corinthian church, I speak as a fool. Now, let me pause for a second. Paul is talking here to the, to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians. Now, that's important because in 1 Corinthians, he tells them, you know, they need to get their lives right. They're not living right. He talks about fornication, adultery, behaviors. And it, this is the church he knew. This is the church he, he, had, he had been a part of helping uh, establish and build. And so Paul says to them, he says, listen, you guys have gone astray. So in 2 Corinthians, they, they're talking about him. Now, who does he is think he coming here telling us what to do, telling us what's wrong? And so he's defending in 2 Corinthians himself a bit. And here's what he says. Now, let me read it again. This is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three. Are they ministers of Christ, those people talking about me? I speak, Paul said, as a fool. They consider me a fool. I am more, he said, catch this now, in labors more abundant, which means I labor more than they do, and stripes I've been above measure. In prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews five times, I received 40 stripes minus one. Verse 25, three times I was beaten with the rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. At night and a day, I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters. Notice the word perils. In perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleepiness, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside the other things. He said, I'm not even naming everything with what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. In other words, I've been through something. I've been under threat. That's what he says. Now, if you didn't catch that list, I wrote it out for you. Here's what he said. Labors. I've labored. I had labors. Stripes. Prisons. Death. I've been beaten, stoned, shipwrecked. Perils. He says perils eight times. False brethren, weariness, hunger, thirst, fastings. I've been cold and I've been naked. Paul said, I've been through something. I've had a challenge. I've been threatened. I know exactly what it feels like. And all these people who are criticizing me, Paul says, he says, please understand, I have a right. I have more of a right. You know, (laughs) there's some of you. This is your first big trial. This is your first big threat. But let me tell you something. If you live long enough, more, more threats are coming. You're a soldier in the army of the Lord, you sing in church. You know what I like the church people? Especially church people. 
<laughs> they like to dance in the church and talk about God's power. Well, now you need the power. Right now, when you're threatened, when you're naked, ain't got no clothes. Paul, Paul said, I've been, I've been in situations that have been dangerous. Now, in those moments, you learn something about yourself. You learn a lot about you. I learned a lot about me. I, I've been through some moments, and I'm telling you, man, I, I was surprised how scared I was. I was surprised how, I mean, there are moments I panicked. There are moments when something, you look at your bank account and you know, you panic. There are moments, times you look at your life. There are times you look at things in front of you. You sit in the doctor's office and wait for him to give you a report. And he said, well, you know, it's not good. Oh, panic right there, boy. Oh, boy. I'm dying right then. Oh, going out. Feel it. No, you're not. You say your blood pressure is a little bit up. Just, just eat better. That's all he meant to say. But before, before he can get it out, you already done passed out. You see, sometimes we panic. This is not going to last forever. This virus is not going to be around forever. But I'm telling you, you're not careful. The spirit of panic again on you, and you, you can't think. God is God in the middle of this. And there are three things that Peter helps us with. Paul gives a list, but Peter gave us some answers I want you to see that I thought would be helpful to you. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 takes us on a journey that gives us some simple answers to how to deal with this. Now, I want to say this to you. I don't want to, I don't want to minimize any of the things you feel threatened by. Some things are threatening. I'm not saying that what you're facing is not real. I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm just simply saying you don't win by giving in to it. You don't win by running from it. And you don't win by being afraid. Here's what you do. You find a formula that works for you. So when I'm threatened, what I do is I'll go get along with God, and I'll grab my Bible, or I'll sit down and read a book or something, and I'll just, I'll just, Temple, when you get out of this chair, you need a formula. So here's the formula. I'm going to give you something that I, I chose, okay, for me. Number one, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Here's what he says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. A living hope. Here's how he come. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of he, because he died and rose again, that's where my hope comes from. Verse 4. To an inheritance, notice that I got an inheritance, that's incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away. It's reserved safely in heaven for me. I have a living hope. That's the first thing I want you to believe. If you're going to deal with the threat, believe you have a living hope. This is not just dead religion. I'm not just spouting out a bunch of words. I'm not just saying something because it's in the Bible and it sounds religious. I believe that God's hand is on my life. And he said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us to a living hope, and it all came through the resurrection. When he got out of the grave... He was saying, look at me. I'm showing you how to overcome a threat. They killed me, but I rose again. I'm telling you, this thing may feel like it's going to kill you. You may feel like you can't make it, but I promise you, you will resurrect again. That's exactly what Paul said, what Peter said. There's something about being clear about this. And then he goes on to say, I've got inheritance. It's incorruptible. What God has for me can't be corrupted. Well, if God, God has money for me, I don't care if the stock market goes up or down, I will get it. 
I don't care what happens. I can't spend my life worried. It's undefiled. And here's what he said. It will not fade away. That's one of the greatest fears. Oh, boy, it's going to fade away. One day it's going to all be gone. And why, why are you worried? Is, is he God or not? See, here's what I think you need to deal with. Maybe you've been talking about something you don't believe. Maybe you've been lying to yourself. Maybe you've been saying stuff to be that you just don't really believe because now it matters. I have to check myself. Let me tell you, I have to check me. I have to check me all the time. Hey, hey, wait a minute. You go up there preaching to people now. Hold on, Temple. Back up the train here, buddy. You're preaching to people and telling people what God said and what the words say, but you, this is your moment. This hope does not fade away. I have a living hope that does not fade. It shouldn't fade. Why is it fading? I have to ask myself that. And so that's the first thing I want you to do. Whenever you feel threatened, here's how you manage it. Remember that you have or believe you have a living hope. Secondly, believe you're kept by the power of God. Believe you're kept by the power of God, not by the power of some, some, somebody's fam famous words. Verse 5 says this. This is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He says, who are kept by the power of God through faith. Slow down and read that again. You're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last days. Notice the linkage. I am kept by the power through my faith that leads to salvation. The word salvation means deliverance. I'll tell you something simple here. I, I like I like self-help stuff. I mean, I, I read I read all kinds of stuff. If you want to know what I read, you go to RickyTemple.com or you can just Google Ricky Temple Articles, R-I-C-K-Y Temple Articles. You can Google it. Or go to my website, RickyTemple.com. Click on Resources and click go down to Articles, and you can see articles for days, hundreds of them. I read all kind of stuff. I do. I want to know. And it's all alphabetized. It's real cool. You can go check it out. But what's really amazing is out of all the articles, I probably read about two or three a day, sometimes four or five. I mean, I love to read and learn. And I read about the environment. I read about cats, dogs, chickens. I read about all kinds of stuff. And I've learned that in reading, especially the positive thinking stuff, you know, I like that self-help stuff. Believe in yourself. Say something positive. Believe you can. I like all that. But here's the deal. That stuff doesn't keep me. It may inspire me. It may, it may make me feel good for a minute. But when I'm in a deep valley, when I'm in a moment of real hopelessness, when I'm in a moment when I need a miracle, I can't, I'm sorry, I just can't turn to one of these motivational speakers. I need to open up my Bible. I need to lift my hands up to the living God because they don't have the power to save me. As a matter of fact, when it gets really bad, even the motivational speakers get on their knees. Everybody starts praying. Everybody starts calling on God. All the know-it-alls are quiet today. They're home in their house quiet. All the preachers, all the bishops, all the elders, everybody, all of us are in the house now because we got to lift our hands up to the living God. That, my friend, this, my friend, is the moment in, in time where now you have to decide what you believe. And here's what I believe the Bible says. We're kept by the power of God. It's God's power that keeps us. It's not us. And in these moments, you see that. So number one, believe you have a living hope. Number two, believe that you are kept by the power of God. And here's a third way you manage a threat. You ready? Believe the issue is for a little while. I love verse 6. Listen to what he says. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. He says, in this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, it need be you've been grieved by various trials. Notice it's just part of the journey. It's for a little while. Verse 7, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found 
to, found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though now you do see him, yet believing and rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Here's the bottom line, people. It's a little while. If he said, you know, believe is for a little while. This is not permanent. Can you remember a time you went through something that seemed like a long time, but then it's over? Can you remember the thinking you thought raising your children would be forever, but then they grew up and left the house huh, with a lot of your furniture? Can you, can you remember the time you thought that you'd never graduate from college? Can you remember the time when you went back to get your master's degree and it seemed forever? Can you remember the time you were writing your dissertation as a doctor, doctoral student? Can you remember? Can you remember when you worked on that job and you never thought you'd retire, but you retired? Can you remember? It's always, in hindsight, a little time. It's not long. It works out. And here's the key, though. you got to do this with genuine faith, in those moments when you are believing for that little while, you need to have genuine faith, not just that pretend stuff where you're making it up, you know. You know, you, you, if you're not careful, you got, you got a lot of stuff that's not genuine. They that worship him must worship him, John chapter 4, in spirit and truth, Jesus said. So first of all, you need to make sure in this season, this small season, that you have genuine faith. And secondly, that in this season you genuinely rejoice. You know, you really get, get happy. Find, find something to sing about. And then thirdly, make sure in this season that you remember the prophets warned you. You know, I, I, I don't know why. You know, I've been reading the Bible differently lately because when you, when you read verse 10 of 1 Peter here, chapter, uh, chapter 3, Verse 10, we kind of skip over because we don't like the bad stuff. You know, you read the Bible where it talks about Jesus is going to come back and bless everybody and we're going to heaven and rapture is going to take everybody up and all the verses on healing and prosperity. You like all those verses, but verse 10 is following verse 9. Here's what he said in verse 10. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand of the sufferings the sufferings, there it is, of Christ, and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves but to us that they, are, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit even from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. In other words, you know, the prophets told you about this. If you're really honest, there's a whole lot of Bible verses about famines, pestilences, difficulties, trials, but we skip over all of those verses because we don't like them. We don't like the book of Revelations. We don't like the book of Daniel. Past, you know, the Hebrew voice in the fiery furnace. We don't like anything past chapter 6 of Daniel. We don't like anything in Ezekiel. We don't want anything about anything prophetic that's negative. We want our lives to be one big happy party. And if we're not careful, we want to be like the people in Noah's day. We want to party until the floods come. We don't want anything to be told us that's bad or hard or difficult or challenging. And let me tell you, I'm like you in some ways. I don't want anything bad either, but I'm sorry. That's not the world I live in. That's not the world God's called me to. This is not my home. This is not the final chapter in my life. This is not the final chapter in eternity. And sometimes in these moments when you're forced to go home and think about this because you can't go to church, because you can't go in a building, you can't rely on a preacher, you can't rely on somebody else to come and save you, you can't rely on somebody to get on the organ and give you a little bit of music, you can't rely on any of that. You can't do mass with the priest. You can't do anything. All you can do 
is lift your hands up with your Bible and trust your God. That's what you can do. You don't have anybody else. And that, my friend, is real Christianity. That, my friend, is really serving God. That's genuine faith in this moment. It matters what you believe. In this moment, it matters what you say. And so I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for you right there in your home, wherever you are, watching this on demand. I don't care where you're seeing this. I want you to believe with me that in the middle of this threatening moment, you're going to be okay. Next week, I'm going to show you how Christ managed his threats. I'm going to give you some insights on Palm Sunday and show you how Christ showed us how to take a threat and choke it out. And I'll do that next week, but let me pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name, I speak over the lives of your people, and I declare grace and strength. I declare confidence and faith. We are not going to allow any threat to make us lose faith. We're going to believe you and trust you and rise above it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, I, I pray you are blessed by what you heard today. I pray you take what you heard about the Apostle Paul and the 15 challenges he faced and may it bless your life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for those who listen today on demand. May the word they've heard bless them and lift them to a new place of confidence and faith. In Jesus' name. Hey, listen, it's been fun. I want to make sure that you stay in touch with us. We love to have you link this and send it to a friend. Make sure you check us out on all our different social media outlets. We love to hear from you on those outlets. But listen, remember more than anything, God loves you. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.